Hello, everyone, and welcome to High Performance Pathways. I'm your host, Court Whitman. Breaking news today, y'all. I've got to tell you, we got a brand new sponsor. And if you've been listening to the show, you know, we've been rolling with Notecast and the Notecast app for a long time. But today, I'm excited to bring to you an organization called Big Sky Bravery. Let me tell you a little bit about this incredible sponsor. Big Sky Bravery provides strategic recreational programming to active duty special operation forces. The Big Sky Bravery programs are tailored and they tend to the unique needs of the active duty elite military member force by helping them understand how best to build trust, brotherhood, and friendships at critical times in their lives as a means to improve their psychological and emotional well-being. And this means a lot to me because I understand being a veteran, being a veteran in special operations, how taxing at times the work that's done is on the individual, on the family, on the team. So hey, if that gets you fired up, learn more about this sponsor, Big Sky Bravery at bigskybravery.org. All right, hey, and if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy what you're gonna hear today, this conversation with my guest, check out more about me and how I serve others in the leadership development space at courtwhitman.com. Now, because we do have an incredible guest that folks are gonna check in with us today for the very first time, I'm convinced, let me give you about two minutes on why High Performance Pathways exists. And here you go. This is a purpose-built and specially selected collection of someone's experience as they discuss on this show how they understand, discover, and chase high performance in their life. We collect this content in a one-on-one interview, and then we share it with you. Why? Because I believe everyone has a different path to high performance. And hearing about the past that other professionals have journeyed along is informative and inspiring. So during each episode of High Performance Pathways, it's my intent as your host to do five things for you. Number one, connect. Connect you to someone else so that you can take the initiative and build out your professional relationships by connecting with my guest. Number two, question to understand. Number three, I'm going to share, to raise perspective. Number four, I'm going to teach to increase your confidence as a listener. And number five, my favorite, I'm gonna inspire. Inspire your high performance and growth. Now check it out. One additional note to cover as you continue listening to this show. Hey partner, we are raw. We do absolutely no post-production editing. We record live and we deliver to you exactly what me and my guests laid down together today. So, be easy on us as we move through this content. My guest today is an incredible American named Brad Brown. Me and Brad have known each other, we've partnered together, we've done some work together, but let me give you a little bit of insight as I rip his bio here quick on what he's done with his life to this point. Brad's entering his 11th season with the Army West Point Athletic Association, and he currently is ascended to the title, position, role of Senior Associate Athletics Director for Internal Operations. In that capacity, Brad's responsible for the Internal Operations Office, which serves 28 NCAA Division I athletics programs and approximately 1,100 cadet athletes there on post. In this role, Brad specifically has direct oversight over athletic department event management, bowl game operations, NCAA and conference championships, and team operations that include travel, support, meals, and he also handles procurement. 
Additionally, Brad's the sport administrator for the men's gymnastics team, men's golf, men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse, and men's soccer. Prior to West Point, Brad worked for Bookhill Partners LLC, where he served as the primary media contact for the Taylor Hooten Foundation's, and I quote here, play campaign, end quote, which took place in all Major League Baseball stadiums during the summer of 2008. And Brad also worked for the Manchester Wolves in the Arena Football League 2 from 2007 to 2008. His responsibilities included, but were not limited to, conducting ticket and merchandise sales, scheduling promotional events in the community, meeting with team sponsors, and planning for and executing that incredible game day experience. As you can see, and you're gonna learn more about, we got a guest today that is heavily entrenched into the college and with some professional sports, maybe we'll call it sports business, sports admin, and I'm stoked to bring his perspectives to the listeners together today because I got so many folks in transition that want to get involved in sport. I think Brad's going to provide us a really great perspective and insight into what it's like to serve within this industry. Brad grew up in an Army family and attended the University of New Hampshire, where he earned a bachelor's degree in business administration, and he earned a master's degree in sport leadership from Northeastern University. I remember when Brad was going through that dang program when we were working together. So some congrats, brother. I know that's a somewhat recent achievement for you. If that's not enough, Brad also made the decision to enlist into the U.S. Army Reserves, and he serves right now, today, as a combat engineer with assignment to the 44th Engineer Company. Brad's also a husband and a father. This little girl is going to actually turn two here within the next week or so, and they're currently living, breathing, working, loving there in Fort Montgomery, New York. A little more background on Brad. Hey, we, we met probably, um, I would call it three, four years ago uh, from a mutual friend uh, that I just have so much respect for. His name is Mark Ray. Um, I'm sure Brad's smiling right now. Y'all, if you could see him, because Mark, I know, has made a significant impact on his life too. Hey, man, do you remember, Brad? It was, it was Doubletree Hotel. It was Cary, North Carolina. I don't know what the heck you guys were in town for. I'm not sure if it was to catch up with Teamworks. Um, which is a software provider you use, or was maybe Duke Army game week. I have no idea, man. Um, but I was there to meet Mark, and just coincidentally, Mark, because he's a connector, said, hey, man, you got to meet my man, my man, Brad Brown. So me and Brad met that day. Shortly thereafter, uh, we partnered together, and I served uh, as a leadership coach for Brad uh, throughout some of his time there at West Point. So, hey, man, Brad, thanks so much, my friend for checking in with us together today. Um, I'm super excited about getting your perspective on sport, your service to the West Point Athletic Department for really over a decade, um, and just really your service in the Army and, and why you decided to do that, why you've been working full-time, just making that commitment of, of selfless sacrifice and service to the nation. And just in my opinion, man, your journey chasing high performance in your life. Yeah, Cord. Hey, thanks for having me today, and and I certainly look forward to uh, to speaking with you and your listeners. And and as I think about it, you know, you hit the nail on the head as soon as you said Mark Ray. Um, you know, that put a put a smile on my face, and and he's a big inspiration for for a lot of what I do today. And certainly, as I made that decision to uh, to join the reserves, um, and hope we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more. But um, 
and if I can make a quick correction, I think it was the Embassy Suites um, there in Cary, and, and I remember it was free breakfast um, <laughs> early, and we were down there, and um, yeah, we were we were meeting with Teamworks, which uh, is one of our service providers, and uh, what an opportunity that was, and, and as you mentioned, you know, that relationship we built, um, you know, is carried to today, and a lot of the high-performance work, you know, that I've done with you and that we've done together has, has translated. Um, you know, and, and has helped the ascension um, to where I am in my civilian career, but certainly where I am as a soldier. And then most importantly, to me, where I am at home, right? And uh, you hit that on the head. The, the greatest opportunity I have is, is being Stephanie Brown's husband um, and, and Karen Brown's father. So uh, she will turn two. Um, and we're extremely excited for that. She's two going on 18, um, you know, personality of her own, but uh, look forward to look forward to spending some time with you and uh, hopefully um, give you that information that you outlined um, in your opening. Yeah, man. Hey, hey, y'all, steel trap. This man right here has got a brand like a steel trap. And that's why he's been so successful. Absolutely was Embassy Suites and not the Devil Tree. Absolutely was free breakfast. Hell, I wasn't even staying there. And I found a way to grab a free bre breakfast from meeting with you guys. So, yeah, yeah man. Hey, let, let's, uh, let's kick things off here where um, and with the conversation uh, about a topic that I just absolutely love um, and we share, and that's just sport, man. Um, yeah. If we could just begin there, I'd love to hear from you um, because you've served in this industry of sport and in and around business, athletes, support staff for years. Uh, where did a love for sport begin for you in your life? And if you may uh, think through maybe some earliest memories of sport. Yeah, without question. And, and as I was growing up and, and still to this day, my father who served 31 years, my brother um, is a captain in the army. Um, and my mom, you know, is the, really the backbone of our family at a time when my dad was, you know, deploying and, and, and out of the house. And, um, you know, they continue to preach to me in a lot of different ways, but certainly growing up that life's about choices. Um, it, it still is today. And when you choose to do something, you're choosing not to do something else. Um, and so as we moved around from installation to installation, you know, my mom said, Hey, you got, you got two choices. You can participate in community activities or the scouts, um, or you can play sports. Um, because by and large, you're not going to be around the house or sit around the house. You're going to go meet members of our community. That's where you're going to meet your friends. And, um, over time, as we continue to, to move and, and, you know, place to place, post to post, we actually lived Oconus in Germany for a little while. Um, that became, sports really became the, um, really the glue, right, in my introduction to a new, to a new place and to new people. And, you know, we found that, my brother and I, he's, he's about three and a half years younger, that playing sport, um, you know, that's the ultimate equalizer. In a lot of ways, you can cut through some figurative barriers. You can develop that sense of teamwork, that sense of unity, um, so that when you're in school or you're walking around the installation, um, you know, that you feel as though you're connected. You, you do feel a brotherhood um, to those individuals. Um, you feel protected, secured, um, and you feel as though you're, you're part of um, a valued organization or group. And so my love for sports started really as a military child had always thought court in my mind that I would be a professional athlete. Um, yeah, man. But as we know, join the club. You know, the, 
Yeah, the, the percentages um, are, are very low. Um, and so certainly as a kid, you know, aspirations are always got to set them. And um, I'd hoped to get there. I didn't. Um, went to the University of New Hampshire and, uh, again, had the aspiration of playing Division One men's soccer. Uh, didn't, didn't work out, and that was okay. Um, I found uh, an opportunity with the crew team. Um, so I rode while I was at the University of New Hampshire. And I'll tell you, there's a sport that's going to challenge you physically. It's going to challenge you mentally. Um, requires precision. Requires um, you got to be able to forget relatively quickly um, if you make an error. Uh, but rowing in the same direction, being part of a team, um, again, that that as a as a child and as a part of the army family and as a part of those teams on those installations, that translated well to my my time in that boat, in that shell with, with my uh, with my teammates. And then certainly as I've transitioned into uh, my career in athletics, um, a lot of people I work with here, that's why they're in the business, right? They love sport. And that is where they, where they truly believe. Um, and here at the academy, very similarly and along those same lines, you know, a lot of what our soldiers and our second lieutenants that leave here and a lot of what our staff members here uh, take away is, is it's their time in sport and their time in athletics that really develops them as a leader um, and develops staff as a leader. So when they move on, um, you know, it's set them, set them up and uh, we can read all the books we want. We certainly, I encourage that for, for personal and professional development. Um, but when you're out there uh, to, and you got your teammates to your left and to your right, um, you know, there's nothing else like it. And I think that from a teaching perspective, uh, we all learn so much um, from sport. And, and I'm happy to give back, um, especially here at West Point. Um, so I got to say, though, earliest memories, you know, if I could dial it way back, I, um, you know, I played, we were, we were in Germany for a little bit. So from my sixth grade year until I graduated from high school, we lived a couple of installations overseas. And I had an opportunity to play German soccer. And uh, mm. so I played for, you know, the, the local MWR um, soccer rec leagues and played for the high school. And, but I had an opportunity to play with a German club. And when you're in that setting, you know, in, in my, my first language is English, um, you know, so they're talking and the coaches talking and the players are talking. It's when in those situations, and, and when you're in that environment where you, you're clearly an outsider, you're clearly different. Um, but at the same time, when we stepped on that field, we were all on the same team because we were wearing the same jersey, same colors. We had different numbers. Um, and we found a way to communicate. Within, a, within an athletics team, you find a way. Um, to, because everybody's committed and motivated um, and, and moving toward the same thing, which it could be winning. It could be um, continued or sustained success. It could be um, a number of things. But at the end of the day, for me, it was stepping on a field, not understanding what anybody around me was saying, but understanding that I played a role on that team and being able to step on the field and be treated, you know, you know, as, as part of them. Right. Uh, I, I found that to be very motivational. I found it to be very inspiring. Um, that we could do that together. And you think about the powerful effect that that has when everybody is moving together. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, 
backgrounds, um, where you come from, language you speak, we're all in it together. And, and that memory itself has carried with me as well. Um, and they're good. German soccer players are really good, right? That's, that's their sport. And, um, you know, they welcome me with open arms. And if I could put a couple of goals away or uh, just be that motor, um, then I was happy to do it. Um, so I look back at that, uh, that, that memory um, and there are a lot of memories within that uh, is something that, that'll live with me forever. Heck yeah, man. What a beautiful reflection that's incredibly rich um, as you walk through it. And, and let me just tease a couple things out here, man, that I love from what you said. Uh, first, man, how about mom, dad, and your brother's names? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my dad, Lieutenant Colonel retired Bob Brown. Um, he actually, he enlisted out of high school. Um, you know, decided he was a 31 Bravo, I, probably a little different back then, but he was military police, uh, decided to use a GI Bill. He joined the reserves, um, got his degree from St. Anselm's College in Goffstown, New Hampshire, where he met my mom. Uh, he, uh, she was his French tutor um, for French <laughs> class, and he'll always say that he dropped the class and kept the tutor. Um, <laughs> so he... Uh, yeah, so he uh, married my mom, Terry Brown, um, both of whom work here at West Point. My dad works on the garrison operations side, and my mom uh, is the deputy director of government housing uh, here at West Point. Uh, so it's a family affair. And uh, so they got married um, back in 84, just celebrated you know, their anniversary over the last couple of days. Uh, and then my brother, Captain Pat Brown, uh, who's transitioning out, he's, he's moving from uh, 12 years as an active duty officer, went to, went to uh, Lindenwood University, um, became a military police officer, just like my dad, um, who had commissioned following graduation. And um, his family also uh, resides here at West Point. Um, he has a wife, beautiful wife, Lindsay, and um, three and a half year old son, Robert. And so he was stationed here working in the accessions branch as the military police rep and the air assault uh, officer in charge. And, uh, but he's transitioning over into the uh, New York National Guard here in the next couple of months and will become part of the Orange County Sheriff's Office here locally. So our entire family, um, blessed to have it, um, you know, the support network certainly, but the fact that all four of us get to work here at West Point, um, serve our cadet athletes, serve our country um, has been a, it's pretty awesome when you go to a, go to a meeting and, and your dad's across the table and your mom's to your right and uh, you get an email from your brother, right? I mean, all of that plays in, uh, which is one of the primary reasons being here uh, is so special is because I get to share all of that with my family. And so. Yeah, man. Awesome. You know, what I just wanted to highlight in this moment, one is, well, family is strong in your world, which is incredible. But really, I just want to talk about um, the leadership of your mom at a young age when you reflect back on this idea that, hey, you know, why and where did you develop a, a love for sport? It's really pretty simple. Mom was like, hey, check it out, family. Here's how we do it in the Brown household. You're going to go to school, and after school, you're going to be involved. And your mom, you know, tapped into uh, a really strong leadership tenant, which is creating buy-in by giving choices. She didn't say, hey, you're going to go be a member of the Scouts. She didn't say, hey, you're going to go play soccer. She said, Brad, check it out. you got a choice. You're going to either volunteer time in the community or you're going to play sports. Make a decision. 
That's it. And if we can do that in our professional life, good gracious, or with our kids in the way that Terry did, you can be real effective. Because guess what, Brad? I probably felt like you thought it was your decision. And that's powerful. Yeah. So, and that's that empowerment, right? At a yes. very young age, you don't realize it, you know, as a young, a young kid, probably didn't even realize it until I became a leader in this industry that empowering others uh, to make that decision and, and, and have ownership. Um, I still hear it. Um, you know, the conversations have changed slightly over the years and um, decisions now as a 33 year old were different than they were as a 12 to 15 year old, but the premise is the same. It's, you have a choice. Um, and again, you choose to do one thing, you're going to choose not to do something else. And so yeah. you, know, you need to be deliberate, you need to be calculated, um, but you're empowered to make that decision. So I'm going to give you the resources and the toolkit. I'm going to give you my thoughts. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to run with it. And uh, so, I, you know, my parents, huge influence um, on me. They continue to be, even if I don't talk to them for a couple of days at a time, I know that it, it's those stories and those memories and those lessons learned that that have helped carry me through. No doubt, man. And then, and then you had this wonderful kind of reflection on, you know, what do you remember most about your playing days? And it was really simple. The words I wrote down, although you didn't use it, is that sports bring us together. And what a great thing to hear in this moment in time. We're laying down this episode uh, in the first week of July. It's July 2nd today. Uh, 2020, and we all know kind of what the country, what the world is dealing with, with COVID-19 and the social uh, injustice and unrest. And I continue to tell people, hey, sports is such an incredible place. Be in a, get in a locker room where, you know, it just brings people together. It breaks down stereotypes because there's unity around a mission. And when we can create unity around a mission, I think folks can do incredible things. So what I heard from you when you talked about your earliest memory of sport is that it's just an opportunity for me to play a game that I love. And oh, by the way, I was damn good at, which you didn't say that because you're playing football, right, with the Germans there in Germany. So thanks for sharing that, man. I want to continue in this conversation in this moment and begin to kind of get some perspective from you, from your professional adult life that I think is going to be really value added to my listening base. Again, um, I focus on, on leadership coaching. Uh, in one particular case, it's through transition moments that we have. I think life's a constant state of transition, but in some cases there's some points in your life where there's a big transition experience. For example, your brother, Pat, when he made the decision to leave active duty, after 12 years of serving, it probably was something he wrestled with and had some deep discernment on why and what do I do next. A lot of my folks that leave the military love sport, want to get involved in sport. And in my experience, so, do, so does a lot of America. So I think it's a very saturated industry that's really difficult to get into. Um, but I'm really curious in this moment if you, based upon your experience, could help us differentiate a little bit here, the difference between serving sport from what I'll call a, a business side, uh, and I'm not sure that resonates because of West Point, and I know that college athletics arguably is a business, is not a business. I'm not going to get into that debate. I'll let the NCAA figure that out. Um, but if, if it's not business, we'll call it admin. 
So business and admin side of sport and the coaching side of sport, because for so much of my life, I only saw it as one way. If you're in college athletics, you're coaching. And it's a lot bigger than that. Um, so my friend, could you comment a little bit on how that's different from what you've yeah. experienced professionally? Absolutely. And I, and I can't, uh, or I will reaffirm and, and can't amplify this enough, the parallel from the U.S. military, regardless of branch, certainly being in the Army as you were and, and I am, um, we see it there, but I, but I am certain in other branches of the, the U.S. Armed, armed Forces, there is that parallel to team. And I mean, that is the team of teams. So when you think about that parallel, really the parallel is team to sport. Um, you know, that I have to reaffirm that. That is very important. And that's why I truly believe that those that are in the armed forces may be looking to transition, wanting to get into sport, that it's a great landing zone because of the similarities um, and the traits and the characteristics that are required in uh, sport administration. And awesome. That's great. That's encouraging yeah. for my listeners. Without question. It, it, it can be in the business or administration side. It can also be in the coaching side. And I look forward to differentiating between the two. Um, but when you think about those characteristics, you think about work rate, you think about trust, you think about loyalty, uh, commitment, duty, um, selfless service. We see all of that in sport. I mean, hands down, bar none, regardless, there's sacrifice um, in our industry. And whether you're a coach making recruiting phone calls to the wee hours of the morning because you have recruits, um, you know, on the West Coast or um, you're up late watching film, building scouting reports, um, you know, working on your budget, talking to your current athletes, um, or you're an administrator. Um, you know, we, we find ourselves as a, in the biggest difference between administrators really on the, on the business side of the house and coaches um, is that our job and our primary role is to remove any obstacles that may stand in the way of our coaches, is to provide them the resources that can be personnel, that can be funding, that can be facilities. We need to elevate them to operate at a high level in their job. Because if they're operating at a high level, their athletes are operating at a high level. And at the end of the day, when we make decisions in administration, probably you know, a little more boring than that of a coach, uh, but we're making financial decisions or setting a strategic vision um, or building our leadership model to support our coaches, um, our, our end state, our end game, are our cadet athletes. It is. And at any school across the country in collegiate sport, it's a student athlete. That's who we're setting up for success. Again, that small percentage of athletes will go pro. Um, so for them, what, what's the end goal? Well, one is to ensure they graduate, that they have opportunities following college, but then while they're with us at their Division One athletics or Division Two or Three or NAIA, that their experience is bar none. That that it is un, is second to none, right? That we that we've given them everything we can um, to make it memorable, but to also set them up uh, for success and whatever they choose to do down the road. So our coaches, a lot of you know people will look at sport and will look at the coaching side of it, that's very natural. Um, you see the coaches on the sidelines. Rarely do you see um, the administrators, but I promise you we're there. Um, we're there as a liaison to 
uh, to the academy in our case or to the university on um, the athletics department our athletics director um, you know we're there in whatever capacity it may be it could be an operations capacity we're unloaded water from the bus um, it can be um, you know facilitating and talking through future scheduling opportunities with the administrator from you know the other school or from the opponent so we're there building the framework and the foundation and removing obstacles from uh, you know, that could stand in the way of our coaches being successful. And again, that only translates uh, back to the student athlete. And so we take that very seriously in, in business on the, on the administrative side. Um, now, when you look at professional sports, which I had an opportunity to work in, the business model is a little bit different. Um, you know, in professional sports, they have a very uh, profit and loss statement uh, business model, right? There is a lot of money that's tied to that. And so decision-making is a little bit different. Um, their setup's a little bit different. So their organizational behavior is a little bit different based on who they're serving. And I, you know, it was a very, I was an intern, right, Court, when I was with uh, the Manchester Wolves. So I was really in the grassroots, um, ticket sales, setting up marketing booths in the mall, uh, setting up equipment uh, for training camp, really getting a little bit of it all and uh mm -hmm. and, and then you know moving into college full-time and this job here at west point i've only ascended um because of those i've worked with but i've stayed here because of consistent growth and opportunity and um so while i haven't been to another school we operate very much the same um you know whether we're a, your, your university of oklahoma ohio state university of michigan um you know, we operate very similar. We, we take a power five mentality here at West Point. And gotcha. um, so all that to say, both of them have their roles. And, and I think that's part of being that, uh, that teammate is understanding that role and how do you thrive in that role. And um, so we, we do that here on the business side as well uh, to ensure our coaches are ready to roll. Yeah, man, I love it. I think when you're trying to capture uh, the business and admin side of sport, and the coaching side of sport and expose to the listeners that there definitely is these different places you can land. Um, one, you're saying, hey, military veterans are well postured to do well there. Number two, you know, the business admin side, from what I heard from you, is all about resourcing the people, money, and facilities so that the coaches and the team can win, right? And, and winning for you was defined by so that the kid athlete is prepared to go out and thrive as a young man or young woman beyond the playing field. Um, so appreciate you sharing that. Just a quick inquiry, man. You know, when I think about the infantryman and the ability for the infantryman to go out there and do his work for the good of the country, what we don't typically see in the movies is the three people that allows the infantryman to get out there onto the target. The person that's putting together the meals, the person that's packing the ammo, the logistician that's making sure the fuel is ready to go in the helicopter so they can be transported. What's the ratio like from admin side of the house by way of bodies, head count, compared to coaches? One to one, two to one, 10 to one? Is there a way you could frame that for me just so I could understand an athletic department? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we here at, at West Point, it's, it's probably easy to, to go about it that way. We have about 100 coaches um, and we have about 100 and we're about 280 all in. So about, you know, one to one coach, and that could be assistant coach, head coach, volunteer uh, assistant, um, two support staff. So 
let's round up and say it's probably a three to one when you talk about facilities, our logistics team, our athletic trainers, um, our strength coaches, our event managers to our coaching body. And so we're at about a three to one ratio um, okay. on the business administration support side um, as, as compared to our coaching counterparts. Yeah. So I think, you know, for folks listening that are fired up about work and sport and haven't thought about the admin side of the house, there's a heck of a lot more seats on that part of the bus than in coaching. So it might be something to consider. And if you are considering it, here's a man right here to talk to about it, Brad Brown. And I'll share with you how to get a hold of them as we close out here. Um, hey, man, I want to talk more about this because, again, I think it's really interesting. Um, one of the things I get questions about a lot is – you know, how do you break into the field, right? Here I am, maybe like your brother, Pat, transitioning out with 12 years of a managerial experience, feeling pretty competitive, feeling pretty good about myself. Hey, I, I, I can lead, I can manage, I can, I've done budget, I've done people. Or also then on the farther end, more like me, you know, retirement after 20 plus years uh, of service, a lot of folks that, that, I, that I coach through transition are coming out with that seasonality uh, they've been in the military a long time. Um, but sometimes, you know, there's a little ego that comes with that. And, and it's really tough to manage expectations. So my question for you is, if someone has not worked in sport at all, what kind of job title or role within an athletic department can these veterans compete favorably for, in your opinion? I guarantee you've hired and you've fired in your role there. Or if not, you've seen it. And, and so I'm just really curious, man, what advice could you give about where they should posture or be targeting from a role or duty position perspective, Brad? Absolutely. Um, you know, I will start with any veteran that's out there, regardless of MOS, regardless of enlisted versus officer, regardless of component, reserve, National Guard, active duty, um, all, are, all are positioned well just on the premise of what I know they've done um, to enter our, enter our industry. The important thing to remember is what's the entry point? And the entry point can come from a lot of different ways. One can be somebody that you know in the industry. One can be Court Whitman. Court Whitman knows Brad Brown. Brad Brown knows uh, his industry colleagues across the country. Um, we're a huge industry, a lot of different silos and you know a lot of different buckets of, of uh, functional areas, if you will, um, or specialties, you know, whether it's sports medicine, strength and conditioning, high performance is a big one, um, as you can imagine, Court. And sure. others, they know they know Mark Ray, right? They know the soldiers out there that, that maybe are already in the industry. Maybe they've already been given a chance. Um, certainly, uh, that, that's one way. Another way is, you know, via the, the uh, professional platforms and uh, social media um, pieces that are out there. So LinkedIn, and I'll be the first to admit that my LinkedIn is not where it needs to be um, when we talk about content and, but the ability to network and connect because I guarantee there's somebody out there that has the same or similar uh, experience, came from a similar route, maybe the same branch. Um, so that's another way to, uh, another way to kind of, enter your way or find your way. Another one too is, is what is, what does your education look like? 
Um, have you explored opportunities through the military or other to further your education? Um, there are a lot of sport management, sport administration, um, and then our specialty, uh, whether it's athletic training or other um, programs out there. And uh, so doing the, doing the research and the homework kind of in and around the militaries to see what might be available or recommended or on your own, um, looking for those educational opportunities. Because as a part of that, um, there, there is the education and the schooling, but the word network uh, can't be overemphasized. Um, you're going to meet a lot of people uh, within that within that program as professors, as visitors, as guest speakers, um, and and it's that entry point. It's that same connection I talked to uh, at the at the onset. You're going to know somebody. You're going to have a name, and that person has a network, and that you know whomever they talk to has a network, and so it's this exponential growth uh, to get your name and get your uh, get your name out there and, and provide opportunity back to you. And so um, I can't emphasize that enough to, to see who you have, see who's in your network now. If you don't have it, you know, certainly plug in uh, to LinkedIn and maybe some other organization or social media platforms, and then different programs that might be out there that would work best for you. Um, I think that in and of itself um, is a way to move from the military into sports. And maybe there's a coaching opportunity too for it that that might get you. And I've seen a lot of coaches go from the sideline to the boardroom. Um, sure. that, that's very natural because coaches, especially head coaches, are the CEOs of their program. Um, they have to maintain a budget. They have to ask for what they want, whether it's facilities. They have to set a vision for their team. They have to build action plans and programs for, for their athletes. Um, so all, all that to say, um, the opportunities are plentiful. Should never at any point in time think, you know what, I've served my country for a long period of time. There's no way I'm getting into that industry. Um, because I, I truly believe that there are enough individual functional areas within sport um, to find a home and, and love what you do, so. Yeah, man, really helpful. Um, and I think that you know, that people that are listening are like, yeah, okay, I get it. I need a network. Well, my network is all army folks. A lot of folks that I'm coaching, that's their network. They've been so focused on the mission of serving the nation that that's kind of where and only their network exists. Uh, education got it. So I think what I'm hearing from you is that having an education piece is a prerequisite to enter into the sports admin space. And you talked about sports admin as that degree, uh, at least one to consider. Um, but I'm, I, wanna, I wanna take this a step further and challenge you a little bit more, and I'll be more candid. Is it realistic? Well, let me ask this. How big of a staff do you supervise? I have, a, I have 10, full, 10 full time and I have uh, 18 coaches. Okay, so you got, you, got, you got about 30 people that you supervise. Um, I think you said you're, you're in your mid thirties, right? Yeah. You're, you're a senior. Associate Athletics Director for West Point. I and mean, I looked at the staff directory, man, you don't scroll down the page and your name's on there. You're near the top, maybe a couple below the daggone AD. And so what I'm saying is for a guy that's coming out like a brigade commander or brigade sergeant major that's had dominion over thousands of people, where, where they can argue they've had a like managerial 
responsibility that you're experiencing today in your work, is it realistic for that person to compete for a job as a senior associate athletics director? Because I think the industry is quite incestuous. I mean, I think that, you know, I'm talking to a guy, Nate Young, this morning, who's coming out as an Army Special Forces guy, and he's going to intern at Texas A&M as a strength and conditioning coach, go through a coaching program, and then hopefully get on the staff there. He also was offered a, a GA job. And so just trying to manage expectations of where, where does the foothold come if you're not already in? And if you're telling me that that, that that person can compete for the senior associates AD job, the one that you have, awesome. If you're saying, hey, Court, let me be real, man. It ain't happening. You got to start at a lower level in this industry. Can you comment on that a little bit more? Yeah, as I push you? No, yeah, that. I think it's a phenomenal question and uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm pumped and, and really psyched that you asked it because you, you hit a couple of things in that one was manage expectations. Um, you know, whether you are a division SAR major or come out of command, whether it's of a, a company or, or quite honestly, even a platoon, right? If you're, if you've been a platoon leader, you, you, you've had direct oversight at one given time or at any given time than I have right now. Um, and that's important. Um, it's important because from an expectation management standpoint, there isn't a, a bridge that's going to connect from the number of soldiers that you led to the number of people that you're going to oversee in an athletics department. Um, it's usually much smaller than that. Um, and, and it's another, the, the situation isn't one that allows, in, in a lot of ways, and what you mentioned, to, to kind of come right out of, you know, submit your, or put down your retirement paperwork or you, you get your uh, 214, et cetera. And, in, and you're looking to move out, you know, where you can just land into an equivalent position. Um, it is very much an industry where looking for, as you mentioned with, with Nate, you know, a grad assistant opportunity or an intern opportunity or, and I think it's also important as to what direction you want to move. If you want to move into the, strength and conditioning, uh, athletic training, sports medicine, um, high performance. I mean, that is a very niche environment. Um, and so there, there is that education piece. So if you're coming out of the, the army and you don't have the education in one of those areas, it's going to be tough to, uh, to do that. But if you're going to become a grad assistant and join that, that program, uh, that, that was part of the program I was referencing is now Nate's going to start there and, and hopefully, um, and I'm sure he will ascend to a full-time position and then he's off and running. But you make a, a very um, a very good point and candidly, um, coming straight across at the level that soldiers are at now in their, their military career and athletics uh, is, is few and far between. And um, Beautiful. So, so there might have to be, uh, and I don't wanna call it a step down, but in essence, may have to ratchet it back a little bit from, from where you were at. Um, you know, that requires humility. That requires you to say that that's a choice. That's a commitment that you're making to say, I want to be in sport. And at the end of the day, for me, and, and I, would, I think I speak for all of my colleagues, we certainly didn't get into this industry for money. Um, this isn't, <laughs> this, this isn't we're, not, we're not raking it in. Um, professional sport, probably a little more promising when you talk about uh, 
paychecks at the end of each month, but uh, yeah. we do it because of service. We do it because of the meaning of what we're doing, impact, um, and that notion of team and unity. And um, so you, there will have to be a, hey, I'm going to, that, that's a deliberate decision that's going to have to be made to say, hey, I'm going to, this is my azimuth. I'm going to shoot my azimuth. I'm going to go into athletics, but an understanding that it's not, it's likely going to be at a lesser um, or lower uh, level level role than than what they're accustomed to, and so so long as you can do that, um, you, you'll be in good shape to to do it. So so I do say that, you know, with full conviction to say you can get there, and there are enough opportunities in our industry. Um, heck, if you are a good facilities, you know, our facilities that that sets us apart from other uh, athletics departments, right? Recruits want to go where there's that that uh, state-of-the-art facility where the yes. uniforms are top of the line. The generation we're recruiting right now, they're looking at they're looking at success, they're looking at coaching, they're looking at the university itself, but they want to see the kind of the, the bright, shiny objects, right? They Absolutely. want to see the state-of-the-art facility. And I truly believe that there are positions like that that are game changers in the department. Um, you can that's an entry into uh, into our profession. And then you can branch off and, and uh, you know, hit your different forks in the road and find a new one if, if it makes sense. So that's, yeah, that's what I'll uh, give you, Court, um, as it relates to that. Appreciate it. And so, you know, is there a job role that sticks out to you? Like, is, is the director of operations for a team something that you think a, a military veteran can compete for? Um, or is that even a stretch? So maybe just throw a role or a job title out in this moment that you think would make sense. Because in the end, as, as these folks are networking, someone wants, someone's gonna say, a guy like you, when you, when you talk to someone that calls after listening to the show, you're gonna say, hey man, what do you wanna do? Because you wanna help, but you gotta help yourself by identifying what do you wanna do? And the person can't say, well, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So. Any thoughts on say, hey man, if you're looking at coming into sport on the admin side, here's where I think you should consider, you know, being deliberate and focused in your job hunt search. Yeah, I think any any word with uh, that has operations in it, um, director of operations, right, for a specific team. Um, you know, coaches are out there, and and uh, a lot of times, depending on NCAA rule or conference rule, um, you can only it's true you can only have so many coaches, um, but people still want to be involved um, with the program. And one way to do that, and coaches look for it, is uh, a director of operations. Um, you know, I started as an event manager. Event management is phenomenal. Uh, that's another area within athletics that I find probably to be uh, a solid option. And that's simply because it's you're building out you're building out the plan start to finish. You're building out your timeline. You're building out arrivals and departures. You're aligning yourself with what you've been accustomed to in the military. And, and, and I'll get to it in a little bit because I know we're going to talk about um, my Army career, right? But I don't see my two jobs as exclusive of one another. A lot of the things I do here as a civilian in my career translate when I go to my battle assembly each month or my extended combat training in the summer. A lot of what I learn when I'm out there in uniform amongst my soldiers um, as a squad leader, I bring right back to the office um, 
And so anything with operations, event management, um, facilities, again, I think facilities is a phenomenal, and that could be facilities operations, um, scheduling, uh, scheduling the facilities, game scheduling, uh, preventative maintenance schedules, um, I think is another, and, and I use the one, I, I kind of think of it as a, uh, you think of it as a pyramid court, probably the easiest way to represent it is kind of that base of the pyramid and where you have the most jobs and the most opportunities really reside in the um, event management, team operations, facilities, capital projects. Um, that's, those are the, the core group uh, with the most. And you kind of go up the next level and you have um, compliance, human resources, uh, uh, some of our like media relations, um, creative content. That really, there's a lot. It's a little more niche. And then the top of the pyramid, in my mind, is that high performance category where you really, you have to have a, um, a degree specific to that and different certifications and others. So I think that top of the pyramid, um, a little tougher to get into, but as you go down to that base and you look at those, those core functional areas that I brought up, that's where I think if you want to get into the business, um, that's the landing zone to target. Beautiful, man. I love it, man. So for anyone listening, wanting to make the step into service of sport and the business side, the admin side, coming from a guy that's been in it 11 years, Brad, look at event management, look at director of operations for a team, anything that is operations related uh, as it applies to a role or a duty title, uh, facilities management, facilities manager, director of facilities operations, capital projects. Uh, really helpful, Brad. Very informative for the folks that are that are looking to to, to make that step in, into your world. Hey, man, you brought it up. I want to go to this. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Why the heck did you decide to join the army, man? I mean, you're you're working for West Point. You're around military folks all the time. I have a little more insight to this before we started with your your father's service. Its impact for you as a kid. Your brother's service. So it's kind of like in your blood, if I can say that but was in my blood. My dad served. I'm one of four brothers and none of those knuckleheads served. Right. Um, so why, man, why decide to serve as a common engineer with all the success really, you're really having? Good question. And, and not to, uh, feel like I got to give, uh, Mark Ray some name and name, image and likeness, um, you know, for using him so much, but there's only one time, uh, in knowing Mark Ray and, and I've known him now, I think six or seven years, there's only one time I went against um, his recommendation and, and that was to join the army. And I had, I had been talking about it for quite some time. Um, you know, in hindsight, probably court should have done ROTC at a civilian institution uh, or heck even come here to West Point. Um, coming out of an army family, I felt I had that natural, uh, I gravitated towards service and a life of service and um, service to my country was very important. Um, but I also coming out, as you know, uh, coming out of the army life, um, even as a, as a dependent, you know, I kind of wanted a couple of years in college to, to be me and, and to kind of figure it out, um, without a haircut. And, um, so, I, so I elected down to choices. I elected at that time not to, not to pursue that opportunity. And I got the job at West Point. Um, so fast forward, I continued to talk about it. Uh, I met my bride and 
we got married in July of 2016. Um, Steph said, I mean, quite honestly, and, and blunt, she said, Hey, do you want to go in the army? Do you want to join? And said, yeah, but I, I do want to retain my current professional career in athletics. Um, so we explored the national guard, explored the reserves to see what opportunities were out there, how it impact my civilian career, how it impact my family. And, uh, so it was, it was, we were, we were, we went to St. John to the Virgin Islands. I'll never forget this Christmas of, of 2016. So six months, seven months after we got married and I kept talking about it, you know, you kind of get away, break away from, from day-to-day work and life. And Steph said, Hey, you're going in now or you're not going in at all. Right. Because I want a family. And, um, so January 19th, I walked into the recruiter station, handed all my paperwork, said, Hey, I want to join. Here's what I want to do. Um, February 20, February 8th, I signed my contract. February 21st, I shipped to basic training. Um, so within a matter of 60 days, I was having a conversation with my wife on a beach, um, you know, to when I was uh, heels together at Fort Leonard Wood. And what an awesome decision I'm, you know, at the time, I, I, I just felt inspired by being here at West Point. I felt inspired by having been a part of an army family, uh, working with the Mark Rays of the world, uh, working with lieutenants and cadet athletes here at West Point. Um, so at the age of 30, I mean, it was time. And uh, again, could I have made a choice back when I was in college to go into ROTC and, and to go that route? Sure. Um, but I felt like now was the time. Um, my civilian career supported it. Um, so my supervisor and my athletics director at the time said, yep, gave me the green light, said fully support you, which you need. Um, and uh, so, so here we are, um, you know, I'm, I'm now an E5. Um, so I went in as an E4, uh, came an NCO uh, at, Mark Ray, at Mark Ray's farewell uh, from West Point is when he pinned me um, as an E5. And so on Warrior Field, which is our rugby field down by the river. Um, so really just truly um, an opportunity that I just couldn't pass on, uh, to be honest, Court. I, I, in for six years, we'll see if it goes beyond that. I, I sure hope so. We'll let life kind of dictate that. And, and um, But yeah, it's been a, been a phenomenal opportunity for me and for my family and uh, so happy I did it. And uh, like I said, not mutually exclusive of each other both professions uh, work to help, work to better me as a person so I can be better in my two roles. So yeah, man. not argue oh. three roles if, if I talk about being a, a husband and a father. As well. Yeah, no doubt, man. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. If you're listening right now, allow yourself to be inspired. Let it settle in. Here, here is Brad Brown, 30 years old, right? Not single, y'all, married. Not unemployed, y'all, working his ass off in a high-performing athletic department and says you know what i'm going to join so you know shoot man if if you if you have something inside you that's thinking man never join always thought i'd like to how does that really work call brad you did it you done it he's three years into it got three more to go uh, if my math's correct that's love right. it man thanks for sharing it brother um i want to talk specifically now as we as we move on here to some of the stuff we've already hit on loosely, um, and it's leadership. And I want to talk management. Uh, 
Um, and let me just talk about a, a few things for the listener that I haven't talked in your bio yet that's important to frame us some context here. You know, we said, you know, Brad used the word E5. He used the word sergeant. For, for my non-military audience that's listening, E5 is kind of the grade. There's E1 through E9. Each of those associate different levels of managerial responsibility and pay, to be honest. Um, and E5 is the first rank in which you are specifically in charge of people in our Army. Um, so Brad does that. He was awarded that position of responsibility based upon what he did uh, probably about six months to a year ago, if I can remember when Mark left. Um, so, and then I've already asked him how many people he's managing, you know, 10 people direct reports, 18 people within his portfolio that he does have managerial responsibility for. So there, and no doubt in my mind, the guy on the show here today can talk specifically about what it is to manage effectively or ineffectively and what it is to lead effectively and ineffectively. But here's some other things that Brad's doing. Um, in addition to that senior associate athletic director for internal ops, Brad was appointed to the NCAA Men's Gymnastics Committee with future service as the committee chair. Brad is also a member of the Army-Navy Steering Committee. And if you, if you absolutely don't watch sports at all, and you don't see the one weekend when the only football game that's in, on is the Army-Navy game, it brings people together. I've seen people watch football and never watch it, but they watch it because it's the Army-Navy game. So Brad is part of that steering committee, a national level event, in my opinion. Thirdly here, Brad serves on the Collegiate Event and Facility Management Association Board of Directors. And I don't know, but I'm curious, you probably don't have, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of direct report relationships within those three things that I just said. In my opinion, your leadership in those moments is probably very much influential which is a challenging place to be. You got to get stuff done, but if you don't work for you, how do you manage that? So what I'm getting at here for the listeners is beyond Brad's role in the Army, beyond his role appointed in the athletic department, he has all these other responsibilities he's embraced. So brother, it's clear to me, you've managed and you led. So I'm just, would love for you to share with me and the listeners, what does the word leadership mean to you? And how have you settled into a definition for it? And then talk a little bit about management, maybe, and what might be in common, what might be different in your opinion and perspective. Do you mind, Brad, commenting on leadership and management in this moment? No, absolutely. I, I think this, I was looking forward to this, this segment uh, because I think the word leadership, and, and let's, we can probably pause for a moment and, and look at, where we are now, um, and you mentioned it earlier, a global pandemic, uh, an economic uh, crisis, uh, social and civil unrest and injustice, um, really what we would consider somewhat of a, a perfect storm um, across all industries, across our entire nation, regardless of state. Um, and so being a leader in a time with all of that going on, um, it, it is, certainly stretched, you know, what I know to be leadership uh, to something greater than I would have ever expected. Uh, being a leader to me is, is humbling. Um, 
certainly honored to do it. Uh, those that I lead, um, you know, my, my sincere hope is that they would, anything I'm telling you now, they would as well in a completely separate conversation. Um, but I always see myself as a servant leader. Um, I won't task somebody to do something I won't do or, or haven't already done myself. Um, supportive of, trust, um, you know, empathetic toward, those are the, the words that I think of when I think of leadership. When I think of setting a vision, clear and direct guidance uh, and communicating um, with conviction. And so there's a level of confidence that has to, has to be around um, when you're a leader. And if you're a leader in the army and you're communicating to soldiers, you've got to be very deliberate. You've got to communicate clearly. Um, and it's going to vary depending on situation. In the boardroom is what we'll call it here within um, athletics. It's no different. Um, the content's going to be a little bit different, but the premise is the same, is that you've got to be clear, you've got to be succinct, and you've got to be, um, you know, direct uh, when you're leading. Now, that, that doesn't take away the, the teammate, the, the team first nature and, you know, having the, having fun. And, you know, it, it is very important to keep that, uh, keep that in play, you know, and have that level of, uh, of levity and, and enjoy everybody's company. Fact of the matter is that doesn't always happen, but so long as you can be an even, even healed, humbled leader, um, and you don't come out of balance, you know, where you're letting your emotions make decisions for you. I think being a leader court is certainly something that um, I continue to continue to work on. I think it's a, an ever-changing craft. You continue, you know, professional development, personal development. It always has been and will be a focus because I don't think I'm a perfect leader. Um, I strive to be a perfect leader and that's why I work with folks like you, Court, and you know, talk to peers um, in the industry is because I find it very valuable to find ways to get better. If I'm ever relaxed or comfortable with where I'm at, I don't think that I'm improving. Um, sure. And the, the word I use at the beginning of this is certainly where leadership comes into play is trust. Um, I had an opportunity court and, uh, you know, in the bio, um, I had some, some expanded leadership opportunity this, uh, this spring. We were down a couple of staff members on our executive staff and my athletics director said, hey, I need you to cover down um, on these areas. Well, where I have 10 full-time that report to me, at that point in time, I had in excess of 50, uh, five zero for, uh, for about four months. Wow. Um, and that was in addition to my coaches. Uh, that was in addition to being a father and a husband during um, a global pandemic. And so, or as we geared up for one. And, and that alone, the word I, I, I thought of, and it certainly was at the forefront of everything that I did was trust. I had to decentralize to my middle managers. Um, you know, I'm a doer. Barna, type A, I mean, you name it, I'm a doer. Um, well, at that point in time, I couldn't. I had to lead the effort. I had to, in, su in, in some cases, and where I see the differentiation is manage uh, all of those areas. Because fact of the matter was, I didn't have the same level of, I trusted everybody, but I didn't have the same familiarity that I did with my own staff. And so I had to help navigate and shape uh, the structure and the framework of those areas, um, ensure that the staff believed in me, that they trusted what I was coming forward with, fully transparent. Um, 
there were bumps in the road simply. I didn't have the background that, that many of them had. So I relied on them. And uh, we all left our comfort zones there for a few months, and um, which is okay. Um, but I had a great opportunity to do that. Learned a lot. Uh, I call our middle managers here, our assistant athletics directors and directors. I call them our backbone um, of the AWPA, very, very similar to a non-commissioned officer uh, in our army as the backbone of the army. They're, they're the standard bearers. Uh, they're the ones that are really turning our vision into reality. Um, and that differentiates uh, from management. Um, you know, I feel like there's more of a connection when we talk about leadership. It's less of a, let's do this, this is what we're doing. You know, no ands, ifs, or buts kind of scenario. Um, I think leadership, there's a connectivity to that. I think there's authenticity. I think there's a genuine nature. Management is just there are times when things need to get done. And uh, being able to differentiate between the two is not a, uh, it's art, certainly. Um, and so still, still working on getting better at that. I always will. You know, you could talk to me 30 years from now. I assume I'll be telling you the same thing. But uh, that's where yeah. I would see support that differentiation is, you know, there is a connectivity and authenticity and some genuine nature uh, to that leadership role and that impact, uh, you know, that I take very seriously. And, um, you know, it's very important to me. Yeah, man, thanks a lot for your perspective on that. Uh, I love bringing people on this show and talking leadership and management. I see them as two very different things. And, and what I'm hearing from you is, is, is you're seeing them as two very different things as well. Um, I would agree with you. You didn't use these words, but I think when I call someone my leader, hey, Brad's my leader. It's a very endearing comment, and it's based upon a connection. Um, it's based upon a lot of the things you talked about, and I'm just going to list them. You know, leadership for Brad includes habits that look like being a servant, being someone who will do, or at least uh, has done, or, or, or has the ability to do before he asks someone else to do. Uh, leadership is someone that builds trust. Empathy is present. There's a vision. There's a confidence. There's an ability to communicate effectively. There's authenticity. There's having fun. When Brad thinks about leadership, those are all the things that, that he shared with us in this moment. Uh, when he talks about management, the words that I heard were, first of all, you went to people, people underneath uh, your command. So I definitely think that when we talk management, in my opinion, it's an appointed role and it's tied to supervisory uh, requirements over people or projects. That's, you're a manager when you find yourself in that sort of a position. You may not be a leader. And here's the interesting piece according to court. To be an excellent manager, in my opinion, you must also be an effective leader. But you can be an incredible leader without the managerial title or responsibility. And I think when people can get behind that, it's inspiring. You know, you guys are tired of hearing it from me. I say it all the time when I start talking leadership and management. It has absolutely nothing to do with title or position, so much so that the kids I coach at 10 years old, after practice, I tell them to lead today because leadership is influence, period. And management is very different. But management for Brad is and takes on these, these things like an ability to delegate, an ability to put structure and process in place to be effective, especially good gracious if you're managing 50 people. 
uh, I've talked to some folks and worked with some folks that are managing upwards of 80. And I don't know how that happens. It's ineffective. Someone may figure out hiring more people or better structure if they're asking folks to lead that many direct reports. I think about 12 to 15 is where it begins to tap out for one person to do effectively as a manager. A couple of the things here Brad shared is that a good manager is transparent and is vulnerable, especially when in some cases you find yourself leading people, managing people that are more competent than you. So my man, thanks for that perspective. Uh, did I get that right, brother, as I brief that back, or am I all over the place? You know what, I, you know what I've realized, Court, and I've, I've seen this in our time knowing each other, is, is you know, I can put out the thoughts, man, but you have a way of, uh, of crafting it to just hit the nail on the head, succinct. Um, I did a DISC assessment for anyone who's ever done that. Um, we did it as a part of our executive staff offsite, and one of the recommendations in that assessment was plan a little extra time when you meet with Brad. Um, <laughs> I feel like you find a way to, to just polish it up, refine it, and then put out this, uh, this message that I've, you know, rambled on about. Um, so I appreciate that. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, man. Hey, brother, don't be easy on yourself, dude. I do this all the time and I do it intentionally. Uh, I, I want to hear from you and your perspective. I just get to listen and take notes yeah. and then share back out because people are consuming this show while they're driving somewhere while they're cooking dinner, while they're, you know, maybe watching soccer practice from afar. But folks are multitasking as they consume podcasts. So they hear it once from you, hear it twice from me. Hopefully it sticks. So, yeah. all right, man. Let's continue, though. I, I just always love to hear about stories. I know it's probably this last question I have for you because I know you got to get burning to this meeting. But um, would you mind just sharing for us, man, what's next for you, brother? Uh, in 2020 and beyond? What's next for you and Steph, you and your daughter? Uh, what are you dreaming about, man? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I try to, um, I think the important thing, Court, too, is, is as we talk through that, and, and what a great question. Um, you know, try to try to focus here on the short term, but inevitably we have to look, look longer term. And I kind of break it into, the, the, the three categories that we've hit on and first and foremost is, is professional. Um, you know, we, we've transitioned quite a bit here in our executive staff uh, with the athletics department. And uh, so we're all, we're, we're kind of fully staffed now, whereas for about an 18 month period, we were kind of filling gaps and filling holes. And really, as you mentioned, kind of managing different areas to keep them afloat and keep them moving forward. Uh, but now can really settle back into what you know, my primary role is um, here in internal operations and with, with my sport administration responsibilities. And so it's continuing to refine my practices, continuing to find ways to be better as a unit, um, certainly as an individual, uh, professionally. I'll be the first to tell you, professional development wise, uh, that, that is a, a high priority for me going into this year. Um, you know, just continuing to, to further develop, I feel, Sometimes we all we put our head down and we get to work and we fail to kind of come up for air and, and reflect and, and reach out and connect. And even if it's a text here or there um, to check in with industry colleagues or friends, I, you know, I, that's certainly a short term target. Um, but again, I, I love being at West Point. Our athletics director, Mike Buddy, has given me phenomenal opportunity um, and I'm thankful, uh, humbled and honored for that. So continue to. To, to learn from him and, and 
follow his lead and, and accomplish things here at West Point. You know, we're going into a very unknown and unsettled situation uh, with football season, our fall season. Really don't know what it's going to look like in athletics. We're hoping for the best. We're planning, you know, contingency. We have more contingency plans than I think we have um, original plans uh, going into this season. And so we're going to have to be very nimble, um, going to have to be very versatile, very flexible. So I see a lot of growth. I see a lot of opportunity for our team uh, to kind of reshape and, and lead from the front. Um, I've always said we're going to play offense this year. We're not going to sit and wait for mandates or policies. We're going to go out and, and we're going to build our plans and be ready to pull a lever uh, when our number's called. And so professionally, that's, that's really the target. Um, in the Army, you know, I'm a squad leader. Uh, so, so for me, it's continuing to, to become a better NCO. Um, you know, serve our nation and, and serve our army uh, to the best of my ability. Um, things have been a little bit different there as well, simply because of COVID. And, um, you know, I, I, we were listening to the chief of staff of the army, uh, General McConville, a while back. Uh, he was, had men, made mention to, you know, we can't, we can't win wars virtually. And, and so what I, what I really encourage my soldiers to do is, you got to take, you got to be self-disciplined, which we all expect. Um, you've got to take personal initiative and you've got to stay fit. You've got to stay ready. You've got to stay focused. At the end of the day, we're not going to go support our nation in our role, right? And fulfill that if we're not ready to, ready to go. We're not going to do that virtually. So winning matters, people first um, is the slogan that, um, that he continues to use. And I truly believe that. So continue to support and become a better NCO um in service to this great nation and then uh really personally um i look at it in in two separate buckets one is the health triad uh we're trying to find that perfect harmony between uh nutrition sleep stress management uh exercise all of the things that you know to to, to stay well because we can quickly get into to bad ways um and not be sleeping be so stressed out you know that the my eating habits could change and, and maybe I'm not getting the workouts in. And so really focusing and being self-aware um, in, in that space. And then finally, and again, I say this most importantly, regardless of anything that, that goes on, man, it's, uh, it's being, a, being a good husband uh, to my wife. She is certainly the backbone of, a, of our family, um, does a ton for us. She works full time, uh, takes care of Kieran when I'm working long hours and, um, you know, and then, and then being the best dad I can be to, uh, to our two-year-old daughter. And so, you know, as I look out, try to take it in chunks over the next year. Um, I'm a planner, so I'll put some marks on the wall, but I know inevitably um, no plan is perfect and uh, we'll react accordingly. But so that's, that's what I got um, coming up here in, in my life. And, and we'll certainly, I look forward to seeing what, uh, what happens down there in North Carolina with you, Court. Um, Leading from the front in all areas. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, well, good luck to you, brother, uh, as you close out the year and step into next year. And absolutely, you got some challenges. I'm um, hearing from you. It'll be a year of continued learning, growth, leading, supporting others, taking care of yourself and taking care of your family. Uh, stuff to be proud of, stuff to focus on. I think everyone should consider. Hey, man, that's a wrap on the show. Uh, Want to get you out to this meeting you have upcoming. 
Um, I just want to invite you to, to close out the show. And the only way that we do it with our high performance breakdown, I'm going to speak the words breakdown and then count one, two, three. When you hear the word three, that's your invitation to give us three claps, followed by the spoken words, boom, shakalaka. And you can comment if you want, although nothing's required. And then I'll close this show out here, brother. Uh, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, man. Breaking us out on this episode of High Performance Pathways, my man, Brad Brown, the soldier, the father, the husband, the brother, the son, the senior associate athletic director for West Point. Breakdown on three, my man. One, two, three. Boom, shakalaka. Hey, I, uh, Port, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, um, you know, to speak with you. Certainly reinforces, um, you know, and allows me to, uh, to connect um, with those out there that, that I um, am most proud to serve alongside. I know you have a lot of, a lot of veterans and, and active duty military or um, those that are just involved. And then anybody else that, that are, you know, looking to, to perform at a high level and, and possibly get into the, get in the industry or do something um, big in their career. And so being able to speak to them and um, tell my story has been, been an honor. And, uh, you know, I'm, my door is wide open. I have an open door policy. I mean that uh, wholeheartedly. Um, I have a rule. I respond to everybody. Um, so um, if anybody's listening out there, and I know you're going to give some contact uh, information here in a bit or ways to reach me, um, feel free to do it. Um, I, I will email. I will call. Um, and we can have a conversation about, uh, about what we talked about today. So um, I encourage it. Um, I support it. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you, Court, and then talking to all your listeners and everyone out there, um, you know, if that opportunity arises. So um, I, I can't close without um, saying those two words that, that we constantly state here. And if there are uh, members of the Navy here on listening to this call, I'd have to uh, I, I apologize up front, but uh, beat Navy. Yeah, man. Beat Navy, brother. Uh, I got you loud and clear. Hey, thanks a lot, Brad. And, and I absolutely am sharing in this moment. Connect with Brad Brown as Brad Brown on LinkedIn. Uh, or just go to the West Point Executive Staff Directory at goarmywestpoint.com backslash staff hashtag directory and you will find my man brad brown there and an email and a phone number or just go through me that's the best way i make a soft intro now get out there everybody consider what brad shared together today on the show allow it to inspire you and chase our performance in your own life we'll see you next week later